This is the EWN Podcast Network. Terry Fox is a Canadian icon held in high regard and much loved by Canadians. For those of you who don't know who Terry Fox was, he was an 18-year-old lad from Port Coquitlam, B.C., who was diagnosed with bone cancer. He had his right leg amputated above the knee, and in 1980, he began his Marathon of Hope, which was to run across Canada, coast to coast, 6,500 kilometers, and raise $24 million, $1 for every Canadian. That was the number in 1980. My guest today was 11 years old at the time, and she was to hand the donation raised by her school to Terry Fox personally. She had no idea of the significance of that moment in Canadian history. She also had no idea of the impact that this man, Terry Fox, his family, and the foundation would have on her life when at age 30, she herself was diagnosed with cancer. I am so excited and honored to have Michelle as my first guest on Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. She is a force to be reckoned with. She is my friend. She is my hero, as she is to many people, her friends, her family, her husband, Terry Fox Foundation. And let's get this started. I am excited to introduce you to Michelle Fuller. Okay. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Helen. Thank you so much for doing this for me. I'm so excited. And I'm excited for you to get your story out too, because it's so powerful. Really Thank is. you. Yeah. Now, I know you don't want to go into any of the gory details, but yeah. can you tell me when you first realized that you actually had cancer? Kind of what was leading up to that? Well, I was um, traveling a lot with work, and I woke up in Vancouver one morning, and I was numb underneath my eye. I never really thought anything of it, and then that progressed to having a blocked sinus and an unexplained toothache and also pain in my right ear when I was flying. And it was acute pain, not something that it was just minor. And I was going to various doctors. I went nine times to three different doctors and they all told me I was fine, but my symptoms we're not getting any better. And then one day I asked to be sent to a, a specialist. And at the time, they were going to wait four months before I could see the specialist. So I called them, specialist, and said, like, these are my symptoms. And she said, come in on Monday. And when I went in, uh, in the office, they put a long probe up my sinus on one side, it didn't hurt, and on the other side, it was piercing. And he sat down, and he said, you have a very suspicious growth. And just by his demeanor, I knew that that meant cancer. Wow. And you were 30 at the time? Yeah. Okay. And so what was your first thought 
when he looked at you with that look? The room just started to spin, and I started sweating, and I said, can I have a minute? And I just laid down, and just I was hyperventilating, and a nurse came in and had a cool cloth and said, you'll be okay, and was wiping my face. And then I, I got myself composed, and I just said, what do we need to do here? Right. Yeah. And how afraid were you, Michelle? I was, I was um, numb. I was so shaken up. I didn't really know anything about cancer or what I was going to have to go through. So I was, I was really shaken up, but I wasn't aware of the trauma that I was going to have to go through at right. that time because you don't know. Right. Yeah. And so do you mind to share what your first surgery was? Okay, so I had it on November 17th of 1999. And they did what they call a T-flap, and they cut me um, from my temple underneath my eye, down the side of my nose, and down to my lip. And they peeled back all of that skin and removed my eye and all of my orbital contents, my cheekbone, my maxillary sinus, and most of the roof of my mouth and five upper teeth, and then also the inside layer of skin inside my mouth. And I did a skin graft from my leg and put that in in the inside, and then sewed me back up. And so the tumor was in my sinus cavity, and it had wrapped up around my eye and around my teeth. So once they open you up and it's in that place, they can't really leave your eye hanging or or anything. It had to be all resected and margins free of cancer. And and that was my surgery. And so the adjustment for you to have lost your eye, all of those things, I mean, it's terrifying. I've heard this story, and it's terrifying and it's sad to hear. You must have been, You did you find your bravery then? I had my mom with me the whole time, so she was a, a great help, and I didn't really find my bravery until long after Um, I was just in a state of shock and survival. Like, I was just relearning how to swallow and speak and breathe and learning how to clean my cavity, and everything was just uh, in survival, in survival mode. And I had chemo prior to the surgery and after, and then radiation. So I was always in treatment for something. Right. And how long was that time frame? I, th- I think totally it was eight months. Eight months. Yeah. And did you go or were you aware that you went through a grieving process? Not really. No. no. I, I went through, um, just before Christmas of that year, I, my fiancé left me. And I had a a real breakdown, and I was going through chemo at the same time, so I was quite sick. And and then the 
the trauma of of my fiance leaving, I ended up back in the hospital, and I was so um, so sad and so hollow. And a psychiatrist came into the room and said, "You need some help dealing with all of this, Michelle. We're going to help you." And that's when I got put on some medication that really helped me get through the next seven months. Mm-hmm. And so I take it you didn't, you weren't working. You So no. not only did you lose your fiancé, you lost body parts. Yeah. And you lost, I would imagine, a lot of your future. Did you feel? Yeah, and my social network. Mm-hmm. I had so many friends and contacts through work that that was all gone. And really a sense of purpose was gone as well because I was no longer working. Mm -hmm. When did you find hope again? Well, I went back to PEI after my radiation and I reconnected with a lot of friends. They had thrown me a, a benefit. And I reconnected with them back on the island, and it really gave me, like, they gave me a lot of love and support, mm-hmm. and I realized I still have a place called home, and it was in PEI, although I had to come back to Edmonton for treatments okay. as well. Mm-hmm. And so how, so your mom was with you all the time? Yeah. Yeah, so you were never alone alone. I was never alone only when I was in ICU because she couldn't sleep in the room with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then something wonderful happened. Yeah. Do you want to tell me about that? M- you mean meeting my husband? Yeah. Yeah. So that was in 2005, and I was looking for alternative ways to deal with my pain because I have chronic pain in my face and cavity from all the trauma. And so I was looking at various things, acupuncture, holistic, uh, anything holistic. And I was looking for some private yoga instruction. So I called around to a few studios and asked if I could get a teacher to come to my home. And and one of the studios said, yes, we'll, we'll send Henry. And then when I and when he knocked on the door, as soon as I met him, I knew, okay, I'm in trouble. <laughs> this is I wasn't looking for a relationship. Right. I had just gotten out of an engagement. And, and it just was instantaneous. And you were facing uh, great, great changes. And one would think that, well, you know, that's not something anyone wants to look for at that stage. And yeah. then just out of the blue, that happens. Yeah. yeah, it was out of the blue. And it was for him too, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a break here. So okay. we are sharing stories. And my first guest is Michelle Fuller. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. 
My mission is 1 million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Hi, you're back with Sharing Stories with Helen Rose. I'm with my good friend, Michelle Fuller, who was at age 30, handed a diagnosis of cancer that was devastating. And out of that uh, horrible, horrible time in her life, many things had happened. She found love. I I don't wanna make this story about putting in a box and wrapping it. It was just a little bit of hope that was thrown Michelle's way and so she's uh now so you've met Henry and uh did he feel it as well yes he did yeah Yeah. right away yeah it was like a thunderbolt yes right so then you proceeded with the relationship and when after did you get married five years oh five years you were together okay yeah he waited quite a while yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, but he had no doubt. He just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. He had been married twice before, so mm-hmm. he was a bit cautious. Right. Yeah. So then you carried on. You yeah. have this beautiful relationship. Ha- at any point, did you go back to work? I helped with um, Henry and his daughter's yoga studios, kind of behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the unthinkable happened again, yeah. didn't it? How many years later, Michelle? Um, was 2012, so... Seven? No, 12... Oh, 12 13. So 13 years. So then tell me what happened then. I had some piercing pain in my lung, and I got undiagnosed again. So I've sent a few um, uh, stories to the College of Physicians, in Alberta because I'm getting misdiagnosed all the time. And I was here, we went for a hike, and I was just having this incredible pain. And I went to Emerge, and she said, you need a biopsy. And then I was waiting for a long period of time again before I could see a surgeon. And I was speaking at a Terry Fox event And one of the doctors there was a respirologist, and he said, you come in and see me on Monday. You can't, this can't wait. So did you at that time know it was cancer or suspected or was like what you did? If you hear biopsy, that's of course what you're going to think. Yeah. And what was that doing to your mindset then, Michelle? Like it must have been, I can't imagine. Well, I try not to put any energy into what the outcome is going to be and just trying to live by the moment, which is very challenging because I was afraid. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it turned out to be lung cancer? Lung and brain as well. So my it was a cancer that I had had, Ewing sarcoma, and it had metastasized into my brain. 
in two areas and into my lung. And then did you have to go through the whole course again of chemo? No, I went through, well, yes, actually. I went through radiation on my brain, and then I had the lower lobe of my left lung removed and another five months of chemotherapy, the exact same chemotherapy I'd had before, very hard on the body. And at what point, or during all of that time, what was going through your mind, Michelle? Like, were you terrified? Yeah, just survival. I was doing everything I could to look after my body while I was going through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a wonderful lady in Calgary who owns some condominiums that they give to cancer patients for free. Wow. And so I stayed in Calgary during all of my treatment. And I just tried to focus on day by day. And I had a lot of friends come visit. I had a lot of support. And they just come and sometimes just sit with me, not even talk, but just be there. Yeah, and I think that's the most, that's the hardest part for someone as a friend yeah. to watch a friend go through that because you really are helpless. You do not know what to say. Yeah. And, and you're frightened as well. Yeah. You know, it just hits a little too close to home when you're such a young woman and something that happens. So then we fast forward to when you and I met and yeah. uh, it was at a community function and it was when we discovered we were soul sisters. It was crazy how we clicked immediately and we were laughing hysterically about something and I thought, wow, what an interesting person. Uh, you know, I don't know. Did we ever have that conversation about what happened? Uh, it I was, don't believe so. No, I think it was just, uh, it, it didn't matter. It, it, yeah. it really didn't matter. Uh, Michelle's story is chronicled in a book written by her friend Sue Ann. It is called A Fuller Life. It uh, was an amazing read, very sad to read and so powerful. So we want to fast forward to when you were working on the book. So tell me about that whole process. Why did you want to write that book or have that book written for you? So tell me about that. Well, I wanted to give people hope that no matter how bad, specifically cancer, but anything kind of trauma you go through in life, there's always hope on the other side. And it was also still very raw for me. So I kind of wanted to put it behind me. But at the time, when I met Sue Ann, I had been, um, I was going through my second cancer diagnosis. So I thought it would also give me a focus while I'm going through treatment outside of myself. So that that's, a, you raise a really good point there when someone is facing Uh, I can't remember where I heard someone said, you know, there's small T's and big T's, small traumas and big traumas. And certainly this one's a big one and how people cope to get through that. And that's, it's a journaling of sorts and to have someone to write your story must've been very cathartic for you. It was absolutely. And, and what did, what happened to you during that process of telling her about your story? Um, At the time, I don't think, I don't think I was purging um, anything. It wasn't until after the book was written and I read it. I really, I, I cried. I, I shed a lot of grief after reading the book. 
And I wasn't able to read any of it while she was writing it. So I didn't see the book until it was in its entirety. Wow. And I think you raise a good point when you're grieving. You, when you are grieving, you don't necessarily know you're in do mode. You are, like you say, in survival mode. Yeah. And so then to turn back and to read that. And so the book was um, published. It's a beautiful book. I read it. Thank you. So then the unthinkable happened again. Yes. You want to tell me about that? Well, I started to have, oh, no, sorry. I wasn't having a lot of pain. I was having the same amount of pain. But I was being followed by an oncologist. And on a CT scan, he caught a new tumor. And we were watching it for quite a long time, like a year or so. And it was constantly, continually growing. And he said, at some point, we have to stop watching this and take some action. So it was on my right lung this time, in the middle lobe. And I had surgery on March the 7th to remove it. March 7th, 2019. And I will tell the listeners that that was a day that for us that know you, we held our breath all day. It was either going to be a fantastic day or it was going to be a scary day. Yeah, Yeah, we all breathed a sigh of huge relief when we heard when, and because the surgery didn't turn out to be as horrific as as first anticipated. That's right. They thought it was going to be very invasive and have to take some chest wall and ribs, but they didn't have to do that. So I had a quick recovery about a month. Wow. And I'm out walking again. So that takes me to the next part. So we're going to take a break. And then after the break, we're going to come back and talk to Michelle about the Michelle that I know with that incredible spirit. We'll be right back. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, Go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. We're back with sharing stories with Helen Rose and my lovely friend, Michelle Fuller, who has battled cancer for the last uh, 20 years. Michelle just celebrated her 50th birthday on on February 12th. That's right. Happy birthday. Awesome. Thank you. So we got kind of all the gory stuff out of the way, I think. Um, not to minimize it. But I have to say, Michelle, you have such a beautiful spirit about you. You hike, you ski, you you actually seem to live life much more vigorously than some of most of us do. I think we squander our lives. And I, I don't know if it takes something like that uh, to really recognize what's super important. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a conversation one night where you said, hey, let's go deep sea diving in Australia. And I'm like, huh? It's <laughs> like, you don't have like part of your lung. And I'm like, does she not have any fear? Like, it's so, it's so inspiring. That's what makes you so inspiring 
that you're always out with Henry and you're you're living your life. It's fabulous. Thank you very much. And is that hard to do? Is that or is it just get up and let's get on it every day you wake up? It's a, a gift. That that is how I feel, and I do have fear, but I walk through it every time I do, and uh, something like hiking the Terry Fox Trek. I was afraid of doing it, how hard it would be, but I did it anyway. I did it at my own pace, and it's a four-hour hike that took me six and a half hours, but I completed it, and I felt really proud of myself afterwards. Absolutely, and anytime any of us do anything like that, if we do it, it does, it feels such a sense of accomplishment. But I will say the one thing that you have always been dedicated to is the Terry Fox Foundation, how lucky they are to have such a champion uh, behind them. So that Terry Fox um, Foundation, tell me about your fundraising for that. Well, I've been doing the Terry Fox Run every year since 2005. And really 2005 was the year that I realized I was going to survive, and I had to either give up totally or live my life with a bit more passion and gusto. And that year was the year that I started doing the Cherry Fox Run again. I got in touch with the organization, told them my story of meeting Terry Fox when I was 11, and asked what I could do to help and I became involved with the local Terry Fox Run in Edmonton. And I did it there until 2011 when we moved here. And then I've done the run in Canmore and Banff every year since. And you do you run or do you do the walk? I walk. You yeah. walk. So do you have any idea of how much money you've raised for that foundation? I don't off the top of my head. Last year I raised about $7,000. Incredible. But years before, it's been around 2000 Right. So a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And and two of my doctors, I know for sure, have had money given to them for their research through the foundation. Wow. Wonderful. So I've had, I'm a direct recipient of that money. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I I did a palliative training uh, for what I do. I did some palliative training in Calgary, and this doctor had this really powerful analogy, and he, he drew a line. I use it a lot, and it's draw a line. One end is B for birth. One end is D for death. And draw a line on where you are realistically uh, or draw a point to where you are realistically on this line. Right. And most, you know, for me, I'm probably two thirds way through. And so it becomes suddenly super important. What is your value right now? What are you going to give back to the world? And I love that you said, you know, you, you had a choice, you could have given up, or you were going to live with meaning. Yeah. And you certainly uh, are doing that. And the Terry Fox Foundation has really given me a sense of purpose. It's given meaning to my illness, Mm -hmm. not just for nothing. And so when you look back at your 11-year-old self and you're handing that donation money to Terry Fox, I have no idea what I want to say to that. (laughs) Well, I I was also 
thanking him on behalf of our school for coming and sharing his story. And when I speak to schools, I I think about me as an 11-year-old and what kind of impact that had on me and how it may affect the children that I'm talking to, or adults for that matter. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, unfortunately, cancer is... um, the thing for me anyway that just strikes fear and it's so easy to waste your valuable moments on things that just don't matter so how do you get through because I'm sure you experience those those things as we all do being human how do you say uh I don't need to worry about this well I often talk to my husband Mm -hmm. and he'll lots of times put it into perspective for me And I also think in five years, is this really going to matter when I'm thinking and worrying about something? Mm -hmm. And if if I'm not going to worry about it in five years, I'm not going to worry about it now. I'm not going to waste my energy. Right. That's so powerful to do. It's it's hard to do. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've learned to do that. Yeah. We're actually uh, on the next podcast. We are actually going to be speaking to your husband, yes. Henry Ferguson. I'm so excited as well. He's a also, you guys, I have to say, when we sit in at a, a function or we're at a dinner and you guys are, um, you know, doing your little heart signs to each other and you feel the love between the two of you, wow. And, uh, I don't like to say everything happens for a reason yeah, uh, because it sounds trite, I think. And the thing is, is that you and Henry have found each other. And I'm not so sure that, um, you know, when we watch, when I watch you, it's like, he's your hero. He's, you're his hero. Yeah, yeah. It's and I don't know if our paths would have crossed had I not been sick. Because I would not have been in Edmonton. Right. That was the only reason I was there. Yeah. 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 So is there anything else that you want to have a takeaway? Like, what is a takeaway to the listener that you live your life by? Like, what is kind of the the thing that gets Michelle up every day? I just would say never give up, no matter how dire the circumstances are. Life can always get better if you put the effort in mm-hmm. and and just never give up. I I have a quote that I live by and it says, I can be changed by what happens to me. I'm not reduced by it. And it's a quote by Maya Angelou. Beautiful. And yeah, I think that through our life, Things happen to us, and we can be changed by it, but we don't have to have it affect us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And quite often those things make us blossom into these human beings that other people really admire and look up to. You know, it'd be nicer to have another circumstance to admire you and look up to you, (laughs) for sure. But so uh, thank you so much for doing this, Michelle. I, I really do feel super honored. And you know, you're my very first guest for sharing yes, stories with Helen Rose. thank you for Rose. having me. Oh my gosh, it, it's ab- absolutely wonderful. And I can't wait until we're having dinner again and we're laughing about ridiculously funny yeah. things. Thank <laughs> you for sharing your story, Michelle. You're welcome. 
If you would like a copy of Michelle's book, A Fuller Life, email her at mitchandferg at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-N-D-F-E-R-G at gmail.com. To learn more about the Terry Fox Foundation, go to www.terryfox.org. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.